Let us pray. God, we thank you for the sharing of where we are and who you might be calling us to be. Open our eyes that we might see and help us to trust in you. Amen. I do want to thank Judy for sharing today um, on behalf of the Stewardship Committee. I wasn't exactly sure what Judy was going to say today. I'd been out of town for a few days. I was in a meeting uh, early last week with the Stewardship Committee, and they shared a lot of the, the ideas and the charts and such. Um, so I knew that while we do have a great ministry here, I also knew that um, what Judy was going to share wasn't all happy and warm and fuzzy and rosy. But I do want to thank you, Judy, for sharing it. I think that was great. You know, if we're looking for a ministry that is all happy and rosy, one place where we would not want to look is in this church that we read about today in the book of Hebrews. Now, scholars don't know a whole lot of things about this group of people that are being written to. We don't know who is receiving this letter that was written, and we don't even know who wrote it. But we do know a couple things that we can just easily pick up on if we read the book of Hebrews. First thing is that these people must have known their Bible because the Old Testament is quoted throughout this book. So it was probably a group of Jewish Christians. And secondly, in reading it, you would see that there's some element of suffering that's going on in this church. Suffering not just like everyone might suffer, but suffering because of their faith in Christ. Just a few verses after our reading today, it says this, it says, You endure a hard trouble, a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to abuse and persecution. A little bit later it talks about the plundering of their possessions. These folks are suffering physically, emotionally, spiritually, and I'm sure that all the suffering that they're facing had to bring a lot of disappointment, discouragement, maybe even leading them toward despair. In other words, whatever we might face as this church or as Christians, I'm guessing it's very nothing compared to what these folks are facing in our text today. Now about this book, it's very long. It's kind of hard for me anyway to keep up with, so you won't hear me preaching about it at all, really. But the focus of the book, at least the first part of the book, is talking about the superiority of Jesus as the fullest expression of who God is. The third verse of the very first chapter says this, it says, He, speaking of Jesus, is the reflection of God's glory. He is the exact imprint of God's very being. And He sustains all things by His powerful Word. Jesus is the exact imprint of who God is. And then the author goes on to talk about how Jesus is, is superior to um, the angels. And then he talks about how Jesus is superior to Moses, the giver of the law. That Jesus is superior to the, to, the, to the priests, those who bring the people before God. That Jesus is even superior to the high priest. 
And in fact, Jesus is the great high priest who offers himself for the sins of all. For ten chapters, the book of Hebrews exalts who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And then when we get to the text today, we start to see the therefore. Because of who Jesus is, because of what Jesus has done, therefore. The text begins, therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he has opened up for us, since we have a great high priest, therefore, because of what Jesus has done, therefore, and then the author goes on to lift up three different exhortations or encouragements of things for the church to do. In effect, all three of them say, let's keep at it. The first one, let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us, the author says, let us, we do not do faith on our own. We do faith in community. The writer speaks of water, perhaps the waters of baptism. As a people who have been marked by our baptism, let us worship God with a heart of faith. That's the first exhortation. The second one, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful. A reminder that our faith is grounded in our faith is grounded in not what we can see, but in whom we trust, in whom we have our hope. And remember, these folks who are reading this for the first time, they are living in a hard time, and yet the author still calls on them to hope without wavering. It's hard to do. The last exhortation, let's consider how to provoke one another. Provoke one another to love and good deeds. To provoke, to encourage, to sharpen, to hone. Not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Why should we keep at it? We should keep at it because our practice of faith and community leads us to action, leads us to our own action, leads us to encourage others in their own actions of faith. Because when we don't keep at it, when we don't continue to meet together, we miss out on being the community of faith that God calls us to be. We're a people who confess Christ as Lord. We are people who marked by the waters of baptism so we gather in faith. We, pray, we put our hope, we put our trust in a God who will guide us in the good times and in the bad. And we gather so that we might encourage one another in faith. What I'd like to do for just a moment, I want to share some ways that I have been provoked. How I have been provoked in the life of this church to my own good deeds and to love. For instance, I think of the times when I go visit someone who's been sick. The most recent example was Paula Jewett. Paula told me when I went to see her the last time about the many, many cards that she's gotten, most of them coming from people in the church. When I hear things like that, I'm provoked to love and good deeds. I think of the times when I'm driving to 
five or six, seven people uh, down in the church van, down to, to the Deerson, Deerson Center, down in Louisville, where we worship with the, the women of New Life in Christ Christian Church. It's a, it's a divorce recovery place where these women are, in effect, in jail. And we go down there and worship at a church that has been created in that church. And the thing that really gets me, the, one of the many things that gets to me, is when we pull in there and we start getting out of the van, the amount of food that our church people have made. And they make it because they care about these women. And they know that when we take that food in there, those women are going to love it. When I see things like that, I am provoked to love and good deeds. I think about the time just this past week I went to visit a couple in our church and one of them's not doing good at all. These folks, this couple, have done wonderful but unmentioned things in the life of this church and in our community. And I must say that whenever I go visit this couple, I'm humbled because of the good I know they have done and continue to do for others. I'm provoked to love and good deeds when I sit in their home. I think of a person who's new to our church. He shared with me an abundant love, a devotion to, to the work he does. And in the work that he does in the community, he sees it as a ministry. And as he talked about how this is a ministry and how he cares for other people and helps people in the job that he does, I was convinced that, yes, that is a ministry. And just his passionate sharing about what he does, I am provoked to love and good deeds. I could share a lot more examples. I could go around and share a lot from you in here today. But I want to give you a moment. A moment for you to think on your own of that same question. Did you get that one, Ben? Oh, you are the man. How has the church provoked you to love and good deeds? I put church in capital C because it may be in this church. It may be in the lives of other Christians that you've known. What examples of faith have you seen that provokes you, encourages you in your own faith and to live out that faith? I invite you to think on that question for a moment. Amen. I hope 